This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. You're listening to the Happy as a Mother podcast, and today I am excited to welcome Dr. Cassidy Afreitas to the podcast. Dr. Cassidy is a marriage and family therapist in California. She has her own podcast, actually two of them, called the Holding Space Podcast and Holding Space for Therapists. She runs a private practice, offers online courses, runs a really amazing Instagram page, and is a mom, soon to be three children. She is currently expecting her third. So she does all the things, and I'm so excited to welcome her today to discuss intrusive thoughts. Intrusive thoughts is such an important topic for us to cover today because it is something that over 50% of moms report experiencing these distressing and disturbing, whether they're images or thoughts that go through our mind about intentionally harming baby or things like that. And they're rarely talked about because they cause so much shame for new moms that often moms are walking around carrying this in silence and in secret because they don't dare want to speak it out loud. But today we're here to tell you that this is a very common thing that moms go through. We want to air it out, talk about it, no shame, and also talk about how we're going to improve these thoughts and and how to handle them, what to do with them. If you know a mom in the postpartum period, I suggest that you forward this episode to them and just say, hey, don't know if you've ever heard of this, but just in case, I wanted to send it along because over 50% of moms report experiencing this postpartum, and I wanted to make sure you're well supported. That could be a make it or break it for that mom in terms of how to handle these thoughts and of knowing that there's nothing internally in her that causes these thoughts to happen. And I know that I say 50% of moms experience this. That's just 50% of the moms who reported and researched that they experienced this. There are other studies that suggest that 90% of people experienced intrusive thoughts throughout their lifetime. We're going to get into it. I can't wait to share all of the information with you guys today. It's going to be really enlightening, and I hope it brings a lot of relief for any of you who may be experiencing these thoughts. I will, from the get-go, give you a trigger warning that we will talk about some of the types of thoughts that might include harm to baby, whether intentional or unintentional, or potential sexual thoughts that we may have. So while we don't go into explicit detail, I do want to give a trigger warning from the beginning that we do discuss these thoughts, not in great detail, but I do want you to be aware. Okay, without further ado, let's dive on in. Welcome to the Happy as a Mother podcast, where we are dedicated to helping you cope with the load of motherhood. I'm your host and registered psychotherapist, Erica Jossa. Let's work together in letting go of shame and guilt, accepting where we are in our journey, and moving towards becoming the women we want to be. We will hear from experts, learn practical tips, and listen in on honest conversations. Please note that the information shared in this podcast is for educational purposes only and should not replace the advice of your healthcare provider. Okay, let's dive in. 
Dr. Cassidy, thank you so much for joining us today. Erica, thank you so much for having me. This is such a fun way to spend a Tuesday chatting with you about the topic we're going to talk about today. And it's like long overdue. You and I have been (laughs) building this friendship and we've been back and forth. We should come on each other's podcasts. You also host Holding Space Podcast. And finally, we've made it happen. I'm so excited about this. So for those of like the audience that don't know who you are, could you share a little bit about, well, I know that you're a psychologist or a licensed marriage and family therapist and you have your own private practice, but currently about to take a bit of a maternity leave. Congratulations. Thank you. And, uh, and you do, you do all the things you have (laughs) courses, you host a podcast, you run an Instagram account, you're momming and all the things. How did you come to specialize in working with moms and in maternal mental health? Yeah. So I, um, like you said, I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and I got my master's in marriage and family therapy. And while I was there, um, I, the program I was in was really big on integrative healthcare and collaborative care. So I got to work at a family family medicine clinic, um, alongside doctors and nurses. And it was there, um, you know, I started before I became a mom, but it was there that I found that the clients that I really, really connected with and loved talking to were the moms. Then I became a mom myself (laughs) and realized how much about that experience I didn't know or that I didn't fully understand until I became a mom myself and had my own sort of um, you know, difficult birth experience and then challenging postpartum experience. I decided to go on and get my PhD. And while I was getting my PhD, I focused a lot of my research on looking at paternal postpartum mental health because part of our own personal experience was that my partner actually really struggled in the postpartum period. And that was something that we just were not prepared for. I didn't know that dads could have postpartum depression. I was assessed, um, but he was the one that was struggling and not a lot of people were checking in on him or assessing him. And so when I was getting my PhD, I did, um, I wrote a few, um, uh, ran a few studies and wrote a few articles about postpartum depression in dads and really understanding um, the impact that that has, not just for fathers, but also for the whole system. Mm-hmm. And so from there, after I graduated, I started my private practice and started a um, mom support group and just found that I absolutely found the niche and specialty that is perfect for me. I love the work that I do. It's an honor. It doesn't even feel like work um, Mm. because I just love connecting with moms and then usually because usually it's moms that come in first and then asking them about their relationships, their partner relationship and how their partner is doing, how the whole family system is doing. Um, I also, um, after I graduated, started teaching. So I teach adjunct at the University of San Diego, which is also where I got my master's degree and found that I loved research and um, conducting studies and writing articles because of the broader reach of impact you can have. 
But once I graduated, I was less interested in doing that and more interested in really finding ways to support the community directly, which is why then I started working on some of these digital courses as a way to offer support and education to the broader postpartum community, even outside of my private practice stores, um, outside of the clients that I was seeing. And so started doing that. And then the podcast was another way to kind of reach that broader audience to talk about some of these topics that I know you talk about a lot as well, that just Mm -hmm. aren't necessarily talked about as much, or there's some stigma around them and just offering that psychoeducation and support. Yeah. Yeah. And you talk about like, moms not being screened as much as we need to for postpartum depression, anxiety, or any, you know, onset of mental health challenges, but take it a step removed from that to to fathers or or supporting partners, yeah. right? That the screening is like almost non-existent. So, right. so appreciate your work and like Dr. Dan Singley's work. And we've yes. had him on here before as well, because um, partners also struggle. It's a huge identity shift for them as well. And yeah. even hormonal shift we're learning. Yes, um, various exactly. Studies, right? Yep. So it it definitely impacts the system, as you said. And and like if one man goes down, the whole ship goes down, right? Like that we need to be a functioning oh, uh, system to keep it all afloat. So exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And talking about kind of like stigmatized topics and and removing shame around some of these things that we discuss in motherhood. This one today that we're going to tackle is one that comes with loads of shame, Mm. I find, with moms. Um, So much so that these thoughts and experiences that we have can go unspoken for long periods of time, if ever, you know, we get the the courage to speak about them. And those are scary and intrusive thoughts. Mm. It's one of my favorite topics to talk about now because I experience them as most people and most new moms and dads and partners do. I experienced it. I experienced like an increase in those scary intrusive thoughts after becoming a mom. And I mean, I'm a therapist. I know that these are these thoughts are can be very common even outside of the postpartum experience. And I experience tons of shame. I think that there's something that comes with, okay, I'm, I'm a mom now, and now I'm having these thoughts that are really distressing or disturbing. And there's fear about anyone knowing that you're having these thoughts. Um, there's a stigma. There's, there's a worry about, will people think I'm a bad mom or how will they look at me or... Um, is there something wrong with me, um, like really wrong with me? And I think that, yeah, all of that le- lends itself to shame, right? The ex- shame yeah. the experience of like, there is something wrong with me, who I am as a person. Yeah, it's a setup for like a, a shame spiral, mm-hmm. right? Like we start to question uh, ourselves and our ability as a mom and and all sorts of things. Um, when we're talking about intrusive thoughts, what is it exactly that we're talking about? Can we help people understand what an intrusive thought actually is and what it might look like? Yes. So an intrusive thought or sometimes also identified as like a scary thought, distressing thought. It can also be disturbing at times, a disturbing thought. These are those thoughts or images that just pop into your head, sometimes out of nowhere, but sometimes though there's maybe a trigger around it um, that just pop into your head and 
it's they can hook you, right? So um, I'm going to share a few examples. And if I want to give kind of a little trigger warning that sometimes even hearing about these examples can be triggering for people or difficult. And so if somebody wants to pause and like fast forward a few seconds, that's okay too. Um, I want to give that permission to listeners. But for instance, I remember um, having this intrusive thought because we when, I, when we had my daughter, uh, we were on like a second story, like a little duplex, and I would have this image every time I'd walk down the stairs with her of falling and landing on her and squishing her and and, and killing her, and it mm. was this like this an image of it happening, um, which is always really distressing to like actually picture that. Um, but then just this intrusive thought that would pop in a, a, a lot, all the time. I had um, a friend recently share with me that they were going um, boating and she was stepping over um, onto the boat and she just pictured herself dropping her baby into the water and her baby sinking, you know, and drowning mm-hmm. and not being able to find or see her baby in the water. Um And so there can be um, lots of different sort of thoughts or images that pop up, usually around the safety, the health, or the security of yourself, your child, um, your baby, or somebody that you love. And it can come as a thought. It can come as an image. um, And it's typically very distressing, right, to have those sort of images or thoughts. And sometimes um, it can hook us and it can really lead to sort of a a ruminating about it. Or, I mean, for me with the stairs, sometimes I would, like, I I never got to the point of just like never leaving the house, but I would have the thought, you know, of like, we're just safer here or Mm. um, really wanting my partner to carry her down the stairs. Um, So there can be, it can lead to um, like avoidance and, and those sort of behaviors as well. Yeah. And one of the other things, one of the other types of these thoughts I think that happen for moms are uh, like thoughts of a sexual nature, hmm. like something accidentally happening or um, – yes. and these are actually thoughts that I've I've heard from, from moms and I have experienced myself like while changing my baby's diaper, you know, something accidentally happening or like, I don't know, just yeah. silly, obscene, um, just stressing things that are just not – they don't feel like they're of you, right? They feel like they're other. And this is where I think a lot of moms get really hung up because it feels so counter to your nature, right? Right. Mm -hmm. That though, that piece right there that you said, counter to your nature, it feels disturbing and distressing. I think that sometimes there is this fear that because I'm having this thought that I'm going to act on it or like I'm going to do something, right? So for instance, um, you know, I knew somebody who had some of those sort of like distressing, disturbing um, sexual thoughts and images that would pop up. They were incredibly distressing to her and disturbing to her, felt other, felt like this is so out of my nature and I'm so disturbed by the fact that I'm having these images that she would 
put um, two diapers on her baby um, Mm. as just a way to protect her baby. Mm -hmm. Now, this person did have um, OCD. And so sometimes these distressing thoughts can come with a diagnosable mental health disorder. They can also be experienced without a diagnosable mental health condition like OCD. Um, But what Mm. is very protective actually about um, feeling like this thought is other or outside of your nature is that if it's distressing to you, the the like possibility of you actually acting on it is very, very low. Right. What's considered an emergency situation or crisis is if these thoughts don't feel distressing to you, right? Um, right. And then in a situation like that, this might be um, actually a situation where postpartum psychosis is being experienced, which, you know, impacts 0.1 to 0.2% of, of new moms. But when you find yourself really distressed by these thoughts, that's actually protective. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean that you shouldn't get support and get help because we can actually, we can absolutely find ways to, um, you know, not be so distressed and have these thoughts impact our functioning and be so um, distressing to us and impact our lives in such a negative way. But it is protective, right, for us to actually notice that these are distressing thoughts to us. And I think that moms hearing that, that might be helpful because you might be more likely then to reach out and share with somebody um, that you're experiencing this, right? Like kind of bringing those thoughts out of the shadows and into the light to share with somebody you trust or to a professional to get support around that experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was reading somewhere, and I'm going to have to do my homework and find the source um, that a Canadian study had reported like 50% of new moms experience intrusive thoughts. Yes. Like it's, it's really, really common and it is scary. And one of the most common questions I find that comes with it in in therapy when I'm talking with moms is, am I going crazy? Mm-hmm. Like, am I losing my mind? Do I want to hurt my baby? You right. know? Um, and I think that what you're highlighting here is that if these are distressing for you and if they are feeling counter your nature, then you know your nature, right? Like, like reassuring yourself that no, like that is, I always encourage clients to label it like, nope, that's an intrusive thought. No, that's my anxiety talking. Yes. And and like, it is just a thought that doesn't mean I'm going to act on it. I don't have to act on it. You know, I have no intention to act on it. These types of things, um, to reassure that, no, you're not, you're not losing it as my moms would say. Right. Totally. And here's the thing is that like our our brain is incredible. Like our brain has the ability to imagine so many different creative ideas and um, thoughts. And I mean, our the human brain has been the birthplace of so many inventions and like amazing, incredible things that people have just thought about in their mind. And then, you know, we're able to, to respond to that and create something. Our brains are incredible, but it's a double-edged sword because our brain can do, you know, imagine all these creative things and scenarios and ideas, but our brain can also show us, you know, some really distressing um, ideas or things that could happen. And our brain's job is to keep us safe, right? Like at the end of the day, like our brain is trying to keep us safe and the people that we love safe. And so sometimes 
in its effort to keep us safe, our brain is going to show us all of the potential possible threats. And Mm -hmm. that can be especially the case during postpartum. I don't know all of the science behind this, but I have read that when a new mom is, um, when they've looked at new moms and new dads, I'm assuming brains or birth support partners, when they look at their brains, what's actually been found in some of these brain studies is that the part of our, the part of our brain, if I had OCD, the part of my brain that would be kind of like always firing for someone who's postpartum or just recently had a baby, that same part of their brain is firing a little bit more <laughs> after they've had a baby, even mm-hmm. even even if they've never been diagnosed with OCD before. And I think a big part of this is that from like an evolutionary perspective, you know, our ancestors who survived during this really vulnerable stage in life were the ones who were on high alert, you know, who are the ones that were always kind of scanning for threats and um, always kind of having safety and security in mind. And so it makes sense that you would have an increase in that sort of hypervigilance um, during and that sort of anxiety or those scary, distressing thoughts, images in postpartum. The challenge is that they're distressing and that we can feel a lot of shame around them. That can be um, a doorway into feeling, you know, depressed. Um, you know, obviously there are um, other conditions like OCD, anxiety disorders, panic disorders that can sometimes come with these thoughts. Um, mm-hmm. But you're right that even even parents outside of these mental health conditions can experience these thoughts. And there can also be an increase. I want to mention this too. If you had a traumatic birth, I mean, birth is a very intense experience. And, you know, we know that um, there is a a good chunk of, of new moms who experience birth trauma. That can lend itself to those intrusive thoughts. Um, and so, you know, I think that, and sleep deprivation, my gosh, like if, I mean, I've, <laughs> you and I were talking before we started recording how I've been having a hard time sleeping, being so pregnant. And I mean, I, and I have experienced recently an increase in these intrusive thoughts. And I know it's a big part of it is related to the fact that I'm not sleeping very well. And that when you've yeah. had a, a new baby, like your sleep cycle is being impacted. So there's so many reasons why this is something that so many new parents are experiencing. But unfortunately, because of some of the stigma and because of how disturbing or distressing these thoughts are, they keep it to themselves. They don't reach out for support. They don't get the help that they need and deserve. And um, it can be a really, really painful experience. Yeah. Yeah. And you touched on something really important that maybe we can unpack a little bit is some of the the reasons why or some of the things that contribute to an increase in intrusive thoughts, right? Like, um, and can we get rid of them? This is something, mm. or how do we get rid of them is a big question as well. Um, but some of the things that I see that shape kind of like an uptick in in these intrusive thoughts are even outside of postpartum, like when I've worked with other clients and teenagers and, mm-hmm. um, you know, across the lifespan are stressful events in life. Mm, yeah. Um, so like stresses, major transitions and change um, can be big triggers for them. Like you said, sleep deprivation, lack of sleep, 
Uh, also depressive mood as well, right? Going mm-hmm. through bouts of depression can increase them. Do you, are there any others that come to mind for you? Oh, I mean, right now, um, as we're recording this, I mean, we're in the midst of a global pandemic. Um, there yeah. is, there has been a lot of stuff going on in the news. Um, and there, right now, I think the sort of caution fatigue from um, this the coronavirus that we're experiencing right now and just the things that we're seeing on the news and depending on our particular situations, they can have different levels of distress or um, right. concerns about our own safety. And so I think that, you know, kind of paying attention to you know, the different systems around us, right? So, um, you know, do I have a family history of anxiety? So looking at my family of origin, do I have a lot of support? Is there um, sort of like a silencing that happens in my family dynamics? Um, what about the world that's happening around me and during this time, right? Like, am I watching a lot of news? Is there a lot going on that's just going to increase that, like that little, that little part of you inside that's always kind of on guard and looking for threats? Is, is there a lot, is there stuff going on that's making that little part of you extra on alert, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so I think kind of paying attention to the context is, is really important. Yeah. Exactly. And that it's it's hopeful to know those things because we can also learn some of the factors that help us to lessen or tolerate or manage these thoughts, right? right. So do we get rid of intrusive <laughs> thoughts? I feel like that's the million dollar question. And oh. I, I would say that no, we don't no. get rid of them, right? <laughs> right? Yes, Erica, you're right. And the, this is the this is the hard thing. Um, it's so funny because I was just talking to my colleague, Dr. Christine Sterling, that I um, do. She's at OBGYN that I do my postpartum courses with. Um, yeah. She's my co teacher in the in those. And we were just talking yesterday because we're working on um, an anxiety lesson to kind of support people in kind of just what we're talking about here, diving really deep into supporting people in being able to. Um, manage their anxiety. And she was like, we got to call this the anti-anxiety toolkit. You know, people want to get rid of their anxiety. And I was like, yes, I know that that is what people want, <laughs> right? Like, yes, yeah. and and I know that's, that's also like, like if you hear that and you're like, yes, that is what I want. Like, pe- like people aren't really necessarily going to want something that's called like developing a new relationship with your anxiety <laughs> or like, you know, um, yeah. this sort of thing. Um, but here, I think that there's act- it's actually so powerful when we recognize that the more that we try to fight off and struggle with and like avoid <laughs> anxiety or mm-hmm. um, or these intrusive thoughts, right, that tend to be associated with anxiety, it actually leads to more <laughs> more anxiety it's leads right. to more suffering it leads to more of that sort of getting hooked by them so instead um and i know it's not like as like <laughs> it's not going to hook you as much as like a, the anti-anxiety toolkit which we're probably going to call it that anyway because that's what people want and then and then i can hit them with like this is actually what's really going to help you here right, right. when we look at 
when we look at anxiety and we understand that as human beings, we are wired for it. Like it is, mm-hmm. it is there and it has a purpose. It has a job. Right. Anxiety's job is to keep us safe. And the intrusive thoughts or the scary thoughts that sometimes come with anxiety is your brain's way of trying to show you in its very, in all of its capabilities, unfortunately, um, that like what's, what could happen, right? As a way so that you can try to plan and avoid or, or keep you safe. The problem is that sometimes the way that anxiety delivers these messages is not helpful, And not everything that our brain tells us is a threat is actually Mm -hmm. a true threat. So if we can shift our, I'm going to go there, if we can shift our relationship with anxiety to recognizing that it's part of what makes us human, we can actually accept it with some compassion for being part of our human experience and just being a part of us that's trying to keep us safe. And then we can be curious about the information or data that our anxiety or the intrusive thought is trying to point towards. Then we can kind of create some space between ourselves and that thought or that anxiety that allows us to say, to identify, okay, what in here is actually helpful? Like Mm. maybe, you know, if if my baby's been crying for a few hours and I'm having these intrusive thoughts of my baby dying or something awful happening to my baby or my baby not like stops breathing because they're doing that red face cry where they hold their breath or they're sneeze that they have like um, mucus and I'm worried that they're going to choke and not breathe. Okay. So if I'm having those sort of intrusive thoughts, if I take a moment to take my own breath <laughs> and slow down and take a look at the anxiety and the intrusive thought as something that's trying to show me, um, to offer me data then I can more easily identify that, okay, while these images and all this ruminating in in the place that this like dark place that my brain is taking me, that's not actually helpful right now. But I do value safety and security. And maybe what I could do right now is put a call into the pediatrician and ask, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Let them know what's going on and get some support around this. And I think that, you know, the more that we're able to find ways to create that space between ourselves and um, the anxiety that's showing us those distressing thoughts with curiosity, instead of trying to avoid or numb or just kind of like suffer and spiral into it, the more empowered we're going to feel to respond in a way that is going to be in alignment with our values, the things that are important to us, and it's going to lead to a lot less suffering. Mealtime with kids can be stressful, but with Factors Delicious ready-to-eat meals, it can be a lot easier. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to eat in just two minutes. No worrying about ingredients and nutrition, no prep, no mess, and no cooking while wrangling toddlers. Choose from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular options like Calorie Smart, Keto, Protein Plus, or vegan and veggie. Also discover more than 60 add-ons every week, like breakfast, on-the-go lunch, snacks, and beverages to help you stay fueled and feel good all day long. What are you waiting for? Get started today and fuel up for your springtime goals. Factor can even be tailored to your schedule. Customize your weekly meals with the flexibility to get as much or as little as you need. 
pause or reschedule deliveries to suit your lifestyle. Take the stress out of meals with Factor. Head to factormeals.com slash momwell50 and use code momwell50 to get 50% off your first box. Want to get smarter about your health but feel overwhelmed trying to separate fact from fiction? We hear a lot about gut health, microbiomes, and other nutrition topics, but taking the time to research these is exhausting, and there's a lot of misinformation out there. The Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast makes it so much easier to get the information you need. With the help of world-leading scientists, the podcast gives you research-based information so you can make informed choices for yourself without pressure and guilt. People are loving Zoe Science and Nutrition. Listener Stephanie's Apple Review says the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast is a life-changing, science-based, myth-busting podcast. That's a must-listen for anyone who eats food and wants to understand how it affects their body. With the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast, you can join Stephanie and millions of others accessing quality information about their health. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts. One of the most relentless mental loads is being the juggler of medical appointments. Researching doctors, reading reviews, making phone calls to book appointments, it's a lot of stress when you're already juggling so much invisible labor. That's what makes ZocDoc great for moms. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare hundreds of types of highly rated in-network doctors, including mental health providers, and instantly book appointments with them online. ZocDoc has doctors of all specialties, including therapists, psychiatrists, and psychologists, with verified patient reviews so you can make sure they check all your boxes. You can find mental health providers who offer in-person appointments, virtual consults, or both, whatever works for you. The typical wait time to see a mental health provider booked on ZocDoc is just four days. Sometimes you can even book same-day appointments. Make juggling appointments easier with ZocDoc. Go to ZocDoc.com slash MomWell and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated therapist, psychiatrist, or psychologist today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash MomWell. ZocDoc.com slash MomWell. One of the things that I work with clients on a lot is helping them to see how the anxiety that they have or maybe the more high-strung temperament that they have or whatever um, has so many strengths and benefits to it, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So like if you are high anxiety, chances are you're very perceptive to shifts in emotion and and in facial expressions and body language and really empathetic. And there are so many strengths that come with that. Mm. Yep. And it's it's how we deal with the back end of that data, you know, that really <laughs> plays such a role. So like if I see the shift in emotion of my partner or my baby and that's really like that's a huge strength and skill to have. Not all people can pick up on those slight little, yep. you know, cues. But then it's it's what we do with that data when we have it that is our kind of make it or break it 
right? Yeah. If we take yeah. that and we ruminate on it and, and it causes us to, to worry and spiral, then it's doing us a disservice. If we use that to do a check-in and kind of scan the thread and talk our way through it maybe more critically, mm-hmm. then it's served us really well and we've been really in tune with and maybe empathetic to those around us. So I think that, like you said, we all have elements of anxiety on this pendulum or like scale, right? Yeah. And there are strengths associated with it. I wouldn't rid myself of my anxiety because for one, I would never accomplish any tasks or any, like there are certain things. Well, that may be more like stress, you know, tension to get things done, but also with, yeah, like keeping your kids safe or being attuned and watching the kids at the playground, like there is a function for it and it's adaptive and it's healthy when it's not um, interfering with things that are important for you. Right. Right, exactly. I mean, I love what you just identified here. Like if I didn't have anxiety, which like you're mentioning is related to that stress response, then, you know, if I needed to study for an exam, right? Like I wouldn't, like what what anxiety does is it can give us sort of this like tunnel vision. It can help us really focus. Um, It can help motivate us because we want to maybe do well on something, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, And then in situations where there is like a real threat, right? Like it, that it turns on this whole system in our body that is prepared to give us tunnel vision, to help make our options very clear of life or death, um, to pump, you know, to to have that rapid breathing and that heart pumping blood to our muscles to help us get out of that threatening situation. I mean, this whole system is meant to work for us. Um, the unfortunate thing is that you could be laying in bed very safe, right? And right. that stress response can turn on. Um, it can come with those intrusive thoughts or images. And, you know, there you are, you aren't being threatened in that moment, but our mind is incredible and it can, it can create all sorts of, um, you know, images or visions or ideas in our mind and realities in that situ- what feels like a reality in that situation. And right. so, yeah, I think it's it's so it's so important to sort of understand that anxiety is something that what is part of what makes us human. And I think what can then follow that is if we do begin to see this as just part of what makes us a human, then it can help sort of release some of that shame, which hopefully mm-hmm. can open the door to reaching out and connecting with someone because it's in some of those connections, whether that's with a natural support in your life or a professional, it's really in that space then that we're able to kind of dig ourselves out of that kind of shame spiral or that hole of just feeling like we're, we're suffering alone in, in, that, in that experience of those intrusive thoughts. Yeah. Yeah, so many people feel alone in this experience and feel like we said before, so much shame that they don't want to even admit to having these thoughts, right? Right. But then when they do, it's so freeing to know that they're not an awful person, Mm -hmm. they're not losing it, as many say, or they're definitely not alone. They're definitely not alone in it. Yeah. So we had touched on some of the things that can make these thoughts stronger or worse. And that would be like a lot of people will say, like, I'm trying to envision like a stop sign, like a stop, stop the thought, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. Or um, like sleep deprivation. So trying to make sure we get the four to six hours of restorative rest at Mm -hmm. night, Mm -hmm. Um, things like that, like big changes, anxiety, insomnia, 
all of those contribute to making them stronger. So what would be some things that you suggest to moms on how to, to lessen or, um, I say lessen, but really Mm -hmm. I mean, tolerate or accept these thoughts as they come. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, a big part of it is that, um, beginning to understand the thoughts for what they are, just thoughts. So kind of like developing that new relationship with anxiety Um, and not just anxiety. This can, this goes for all of the, you know, more painful or difficult emotions. Um, Absolutely. Like when a mom comes in and she's struggling with these sort of thoughts, I go to like some of the basics, like basic human needs, which one of those includes sleep. And so we'll have a conversation about how can we support you in getting that restorative rest? Because if a mom is sleep deprived or um, a, a birth parent or birth support partner is sleep deprived, I mean, it is sleep deprivation is such a beast that it's going to be hard to even do the work, right? To like pull yourself out of that hole um, or of that shame or that challenging, painful experience with the intrusive thoughts. So we want to look at some of those like basics, like, are you getting restorative rest? How can we find a plan to get you that restorative rest? Um, Are you taking care of yourself? Like, are you getting outside? Are you eating? Um, How often are you eating? Are you getting a chance to be alone? Because sometimes, you know, we're not alone all day. And then we finally settle in at night and (laughs) get, you know, nighttime always seems to be the worst and the hardest with these thoughts, which makes sense because, um, at night, you know, our ancestors were, were more at risk. So they're more likely to have some of these feelings of threats at night. You settle down and then all of these images come into your mind and that's sort of like the space. And now you're not sleeping. It could be a vicious cycle. So Mm. kind of identifying some of these like these really basic things. And then from there, moving into some of the deeper work around looking at um, the context around you, the support that you have, developing that new relationship with your emotions. Um where you're able to kind of create that sort of mental space between yourself and the thought or the emotion that you're having to kind of look at, okay, what's the data here? Is there anything in here that's actually helpful for me? Um, Is there anything in here that's letting me know about a value that I might have? And can I use that value as a directive of how I'm going to respond instead of letting the thought take you away or jump in the driver's seat? And so, I mean, this is a lot of this is work that can be really helpful to do alongside a provider, a professional, mm-hmm. um, but it can also be something, you know, that you can talk to your partner about if that feels like a supportive and safe person to talk to um, or other moms. I know for me, one of the biggest things that was really helpful was once I was able to actually open up to another mom and she shared that she was having the same experience. It's just that, that in and of itself, that connection was incredibly healing. Yeah. That feeling seen and understood and that you're not alone. All of those things kind of just help to take the, you know, the, oh, what is wrong with me? Shame feeling away, right? Like I must be flawed. I'm the only one feeling this and just feeling seen and and knowing that others, not that we wish these things on others, obviously, right? But knowing that it's, it's something that others experience just is so validating in a way. Oh, absolutely. That's why I hope that, um, 
people who are listening to this can maybe feel that sort of that like they feel feel seen just in hearing us talk about it right or um, maybe they'll share it with somebody who needs to hear it you know I think that the more we can talk about these things um, the better because then people are more likely to reach out and get support Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. when you were talking about focusing on some of the sort of fundamental needs it reminds me of this acronym that I've been using that I've totally adopted and I will use forever from our mama village is the first place I saw it from Jess is it Uh, Ness yes (laughs) it's the acronym Ness and she got it from like a PSI conference we can't find the original person but we will credit you if we can find you um and it's talking about so Ness, if you write it like an acronym, N for nutrition, E for exercise, S for sleep, T for time for self, and S for support. And N for nutrition being like, yes, like providing your body with like proper nutrition, but also like, did you eat today? You know, like go, go and actually have a meal, do some self-care and returning to like anytime you're having an, an uptake or like increase in these intrusive thoughts or any anxiety or even depressive mood, do an inventory of these nests to see, have I had any time for self today? right? Have I moved my body today in a way that has felt good? Or have I been really like breastfeeding and just sitting a lot today? Or, right? Like, have I had warm food today? Mm. You know, these types of things that we often, um, we just lack as moms, especially in like the newly postpartum stage, just trying to eat warm food seems like a really big task, right? So, (laughs) So that that acronym is like if there's one thing that I want people to really kind of internalize, it's uh, them having this inventory to scan in those hard moments, yeah. knowing that this is a really good um, sort of prescription for them to follow, I guess, if you will, right, is just going through those five things. And if you've done all of those five things, then, you know, the last one being support, then maybe you call in you know, the cavalry of support that you need or you maybe seek professional support or you start to go from there, right? Yep. Yep. I love that. I love that. I love that that's like, it's, and it's so easy to remember. So in these moments, we oftentimes need something that we can just be like, okay, what's the checkbox? Like, what's the next thing? Exactly. (laughs) What was I I supposed to do in this situation? Right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Love it. Something has been coming up for me as we've been talking and like, I'm just kind of making the association in my mind now. So it's going to come out really raw. Um, is that I have had, I don't know if it's different types of intrusive thoughts. So with my third, I've shared quite a bit that I had went through a journey of postpartum depression with my third. I was kind of um, not, I wasn't expecting it. Not that we expect these things, but, um, and it kind of caught me off guard. And in that time versus like first time mom anxiety, uh, intrusive thoughts, Mm -hmm. a lot about baby being hurt, were very different, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so I had these thoughts of like, oh, dropping baby or baby, you know, if, if what if he rolls over in his tummy or like these types of thoughts about baby. Right. And, and the third time around when I was going through postpartum, the thoughts became a lot more about me mm. and they were disturbing. Yeah. But they were like, so I'd be like driving and be like, well, what would happen if I just like drove off the road right now? Yeah. And I, I would entertain this thought of like, 
Um, it was disturbing, but it was also like I would play it out in my mind a little bit. And there was no real intention behind it. But I know with so many clients that I speak Ugh. with that these types of thoughts are really common um, when we're experiencing depression and low mood, yes. right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I remember um, having I, I remember on so in diff- a few different ways. So I remember with my first, like having thoughts of just wanting to escape, um, just like escape the relentless like sleep feed wake cycle that just in like the Groundhog's Day and wanting to just escape, even just like go to a hotel and just like shut the door and like not have to hear a baby crying and not be needed. And then, and then having like being up at night, looking at her, being worried that she wasn't going to breathe. Um, and then having shame that I wanted to escape. So it was like, (laughs) I was almost like, like, like both of them, you know? Um, and then I think that also, also there can be just, you know, um, also just fears of like, I know that I've had a lot of fears, especially after losing a friend of mine who was a mom um, with children the same age, um, lots of fears about my own health. And like, you know, that that definitely came with like my second and now now with my third baby as well. But I think that if if somebody is having some of those thoughts of just wanting to escape or my baby would be better off without me um, or wanting to... Um, or having some of those suicidal ideations, these are really important situations where reaching out for that professional support is is so is so important. Like I just, yeah. I don't want any mom who's listening to this and 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 relating to what you're sharing, which I think is so powerful. So I thank you for like your vulnerability and willingness to be vulnerable and like name that. I just want any mom who's listening right now to know how much she deserves to get support. And she does not have to feel like that. Like she can't, there's, there's a way to get your head above water um, with that professional support. Um, So I I thank you for your, your willingness to be raw and vulnerable and owning and and sharing that experience because it's, I think a a lot more moms than we even know are experiencing those things. Um, Because I know for me, I was having thoughts of escaping. I'm a therapist and it took me a long time to reach out for support. I eventually did um, to process my birth experience. And I think that was a big contributing factor to my, my my intrusive thoughts because I, my birth was um, traumatic for me. But it took me a long time, and I'm a therapist. Yeah. I know I yeah. should know better, quote unquote. But that's how I fine. felt a lot of the time as well, right? It's like I should know the things to be doing, and and I share a lot about that on the podcast. Like my my kind of rock bottom in my postpartum that was just like I got yeah. this isn't me, right? Um, but it's interesting because it's a very different. So that type of thought, the thought of like. I remember like distinctly driving. I don't know if I was like coming home from work. I may have even been like pregnant. And I'm sure a lot of this started when I was pregnant. Um, Thinking something along the lines of like, oh, if I just was like, you know, if something just happened and I was in the hospital, like I wouldn't have to care for anybody. Oh, I wouldn't have that to, can be such a common weight one. of the responsibility, right? Yeah. And and I don't know if it was necessarily an intrusive thought. Like it may have started as an intrusive thought, mm-hmm. but when I started to entertain that as like a possibility. Yeah. Not that I actually truly think that I would have 
acted on that. Right. But when it no longer was necessarily disturbing to me yeah. is the moment that it's like, okay. And I, and I remember sharing that with my husband. He's like, you know, like, I don't really think that's <laughs> right. like, I don't know. We should probably do something about that. Right. Yeah. Like, like, and, and he was right. And that, and those, um, like those are a measuring stick, yes. right. For our, our mood and how we're feeling. And so I think that, I don't know, I'm just kind of talking it out loud. I think that the intrusive thoughts that I experienced around my baby and stuff at first, very distressing, caused me a lot of anxiety, caused me to want to like avoid and protect baby and 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 a very different feel to these types mm-hmm. of thoughts, which may have started with an, an intrusive fleeting thought, but yeah. then became something that I entertained. And that, that to me is something that's different. Right. And it sounds like it slipped out of just sort of out of anxiety and into one of anxiety's um, friends, depression, you know? Um, right, right. And, you know, I, that's why I think that with these intrusive thoughts, um, yes, people can experience them outside of a mental health um, condition, but yeah. they very much can be associated with depression, with postpartum anxiety, postpartum OCD, postpartum PTSD, um, and and postpartum psychosis um, in, right. in some of those really crisis situations as well. Um, and I think that so being able to kind of look at not, okay, if I'm having these intrusive thoughts, am I having other symptoms alongside them, right? Am I having right. um, helplessness or hopelessness? Am I um, feeling like I'm like wanting to cry a lot? And am, Is it impacting my appetite, um, my sleep outside of just the normal newborn wake um, sleep cycle? You know, is it impacting my functioning? Um, and in these situations where these other symptoms or impact are impact on functioning are showing up, these are some of those these are some of those indicators that we want to take that that next step of getting that professional support. Yeah. And even if you don't, even if you don't have those other symptoms or it's not impacting your functioning, but it's distressing to you, even in that situation, like if you if you need extra support, like you deserve it. Right. Um, and you deserve to be happy and to be healthy. And sometimes it's hard for us to take that step for ourselves, but then I'll, I'll remind, I'll, you know, and, and I want moms and dads and people who've had a baby to want this for themselves. But if, if that's hard, then it's like, well, then let's, let's do it for your family, you know, like, yeah. um, and then eventually hopefully get to the place where you recognize that you deserve this too. You're worthy of getting that support and of feeling better. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really helpful to talk it out and distinguish it in that way is that, um, there were definitely other red flags right at, at the third baby time for me. Right. So yeah. like some of those in truth of intrusive thoughts becoming something that I was entertaining, but along with irritability and really mm-hmm. low motivation yes. and just it's not really being able to roll with things and cope and the constant brain fog. And there were so many other pieces yes. that, um, that contributed. So that's really helpful to know that like, if, if you're, if these things are kind of fleeting and they can come and go and you can kind of acknowledge them as anxiety and, you know, allow them to pass and they're not causing a lot of avoidance and not really disruptive, then you might feel like you're managing them well, right? Like you might feel yeah. like you've got so those skills to kind of allow them to come and go. 
but if they're really distressing and if you're really anxious and really getting stuck on them and, you know, I've heard of moms like talking about, you know, scooting down the stairs on their bum every time they go down the stairs because they're scared of dropping baby Mm -hmm. or not going on walks with the stroller near water in case the stroller gets loose. Or like if you are avoiding daily activities as a result of these thoughts, um, you know, definitely talk to somebody because you deserve to have that motherhood experience. And if you're not enjoying motherhood, you know, this is one of the things that I I learned from that, that third postpartum experience is that every mom deserves to enjoy motherhood. Mm -hmm. And if you are having more dark days than good days, it is, it's time to seek support. It's time to find somebody who can help you because it doesn't, it doesn't have to be that way, right? Yeah. And maybe you can include some of these links in the show notes, but you know, if somebody's now thinking, okay, I'm 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 I hear I hear this, I'm ready, I think I do need that support. Um, you know, postpartum support international is a great place to start with a directory to find clinicians, um, providers in your area, psychology today as well. Um, there can be a little box you can tick that says like pregnancy, postpartum, um, providers that specialize in that. And, and yeah, I think that it's, it's, hopefully you can include some of those resources just so that if somebody's listening right now, they can go and take that step right now. Don't wait any longer. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that even, um, Instagram therapists, as as yeah. the as the media often calls us, um, mm-hmm. have lots of resources as well. Like I know, Psyched Mommy Asherina has a um, a course all about like anxiety and depression, postpartum. Mm-hmm. Lots of really practical resources there. You've also got your your prepared postpartum course. Yes. But then you've also just recently released another postpartum course. Can you tell us a little bit about that one? Yeah, absolutely. So we have prepared postpartum, which is for um, partners, couples, individuals who are expecting. And it's um, a comprehensive course because when you're when you don't have a newborn, you have the bandwidth for it, where it just, it covers everything. Like you will leave this course so prepared when it comes to everything from sleep to feeding to all of your different relationships, identity, um, and emotions, mental health. Um, and I did this course with Dr. Christine Sterling, who's an OBGYN. And then we have our now postpartum course that we just recently released because we got a lot of feedback from people who were postpartum and they were already in it. And they were like, we need help. Like we yes. didn't think that we need to prepare for all these things. Um, and we're in it now. And so we are, it's right now it's called postpartum rescue, but we are adding actually a lot more lessons to it. Um, just to kind of really, really cover a lot of areas. So yes, sleep, yes, breast, yes, feeding, identity, relationships, but like I mentioned earlier, we're going to add um, a birth recovery lesson, an anti-anxiety toolkit lesson, a mom guilt lesson, um, a libido lesson um, around intimacy. And so oh, th- we're playing around with a name. So it's going to shift soon. I think it's going to be flourish in the first year because it just covers it covers so much more than just like a rescue course. Um, right. But yeah, I'll I'll share those links with you so that if anybody is listening and interested in those digital courses um, with myself and Dr. Sterling, um, they can find those at, in the show notes. 
Yeah, that would be great. And I love that you guys can both come from, like she's got her perspective and your perspective married together yes. to really bring such an interesting resource for moms. That's that, awesome. And that I love her. I follow her. Was, she's so yeah. – <laughs> That was the part that was really important to me is that I think that unfortunately the um, her field of OBGYNs and my field of therapists and mental health – Unfortunately, there's there's movement more towards them being cohesive and working together, um, right. but it's it's we're really far from where we need to be. And so, her and I kind of building that bridge between the things that she can speak to and the things that I can speak to, and how they're so intertwined and connected. Because I just really believe that families deserve so much more than what they're getting right now from yeah. the world of maternal, paternal, postpartum wellness. Yeah. I totally agree because all eyes become on baby, right? And I feel like parents (laughs) are just very much lacking support. So thank you guys for the work that you're doing and the resources you're putting together. They're very powerful. Um, Where can people find you online? I know you hang out on Instagram, so (laughs) let everyone know where they can find you. Yeah. So on Instagram, I'm at Dr. Cassidy and then my podcast holding space at holding space podcast, which you can find on iTunes and Spotify and um, cover a lot of topics in there um, related to postpartum and even outside of postpartum. Um, and then um, I have a private practice. I am 33 weeks pregnant, so I'm about to go on maternity leave. Um, but my website is drcassidymft.com. And on there, you can find some of my free resources, like my mom guilt workbook and the e-courses that I talked about. You can also find links to the podcast. And in the future, once I start seeing clients again, um, you can find ways to contact me to reach out for support if you are based in San Diego or California. Yeah. I love it. And I love your stories. I have learned so much from you. And like you had an EMDR, that's the acronym, right? Yes. For the like short form. I learned so much through your stories there. And I'm sure in the next couple of weeks, I'll be stalking your stories to see if baby has turned. (laughs) I'll be like, she's about that time. I should check in. So yeah, I learned. It's such a valuable resource. I learned so much from you. So I like appreciate you in the middle of a pandemic, 33 <laughs> weeks pregnant, trying to mom your children and all of the things, taking time to be with us here today. Mm. So thank you so much yeah, for joining us. The feeling us. is so mutual, so grateful that we got connected and that this digital digital world of social media brought us together. So grateful to, to call you a friend and colleague. Thank you. We'll have you back soon. I can't even begin to tell you how happy and honored I am that you choose to spend your time here with me each week. If you're looking for the resources and things that we're discussing today's show, you can find them in the show notes, which is linked in the episode description, or you can head directly to happyasamother.co slash podcast and find all of the show notes there. If you're looking for support and connection with other moms, you can head over to facebook.com slash groups slash happy as a mother and join our Facebook community. This community is filled with women just like you and I who want to support and uplift one another through our postpartum journey. And until next episode, mama, I want you to know... 
keep showing up. You're doing a great job. Settling is not an option for me. Everything I desire is already mine. What if you can have it all? Because every day is for the girls. Hello, hello. Welcome to For the Girls podcast, hosted by Victoria Alario, For the Girls Who Want More. Listening to For the Girls will have you ready to raise the bar, stop settling for the bare minimum, and start believing you can have it all and step into the 2.0 version of you. You can catch a new episode of For the Girls every Monday across all podcast platforms. Until next time, girls.